Welcome back to the Sinbin Podcast. I am your host, John Burnett, along with my two closest friends, Ryan Cornelius and Andrew Henry. And boys, some news just broke that we should probably discuss. While Ryan and Andrew both graduated from Penn State and are both Penn State alumni, I am definitely a fan of Penn State, even though I chose not to go there. Choose being very loosely used. It's anyway. funny you said that because as soon as you said choose, I did air quotes to myself. So. Yeah. Uh, before we get into this, I have a couple things I just want to address from the last episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Number one, uh, Ryan and I, um, like this is a small detail, but you know this shows uh, how professional I am as a person. I went back and looked at the episode. Uh, Ryan and I both called uh, the building the Maple Leafs play the Air Canada Center. Yes, it's not the I... Air Canada Center anymore. I wanted it's, to bring that up, but I, you two were on a roll, so I okay. Well, no, don't hesitate next time. Um, yeah, you need to uh, correct us here. Uh, what is it? It's, it's a Scotia Bank something. I, th- I think so. Bank I, Arena. Well, All I the arenas no in Canada are some type of Scotia Bank. Yeah, so you got Scotia Bank, Saddledome. Uh, the second thing is we're still working on our uh, our audio. Uh, we got, uh, I know yes. we got some, some echoing happening. We're still working on getting, uh, microphones. I listened, I did, I listened to the, to the last episode and it like sounded like we were giving sports analysis over an intercom in a space station. Like it kind of sounded like one of us was, <laughs> was going to be like, attention, please report to alpha station. An asteroid is headed towards earth. Also the capitals hurricane series will require seven games in my opinion. But mainly the asteroid thing. Thank you. Um, that that's kind of what was happening. About that, yeah. I am host, producer, and editor, so and I'm getting better. So give we it, can just blame give, it on you then. Give it yes, you can. Give it time, people. Give it time. I'm trying. I'm trying my best. Anyway, the news just broke that Penn State's fifth year senior quarterback, Tommy Stevens, has hit the transfer market. And uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I love Tommy. I do. Backed up Trace. Scored us our only touchdown in the blowout against Michigan last year. Good God, yeah. This uh, this topic is very near and dear to Andrew's heart, as uh, some of Trace's most non-memorable performances have, has been uh, loaded with Penn State students and uh, apparently football faithful calling for Trace to lose his starting job and Mr. Tommy Stevens to take over. So if you could just elaborate on that one, Andrew. Yeah, I I was uh, I was never really big into Tommy Stevens, and I especially got uh, offended. And I know Ryan's not good on being offended, but I got personally – I felt it was a personal shot when people were calling for Trace's job. Uh, Tommy Stevens is a good quarterback, and he's hella athletic. I know that. But a, a lot of what – people were basing his skill level on was the 2016 and the 2017 season when we were winning these blowout games and he was coming in the fourth quarter and like shredding like the opposing team's second and third team defense in a very non-competitive non-pressure situation and I was like yeah that's great but like what can you do for me in like like an actual game situation and I remember uh, McSorley got pulled out of that Michigan game last year and Tommy's first pass was an interception it was like I just never, I never felt like to be to be fair. The Michigan game last year, I thought we should have pulled Trace like after. Did, when did we pull him? Third quarter. Third quarter. Okay. Um, I'll get off track here a little bit. The, the, he he should not have been pulled out of that game. He had twelve passing attempts. Like you've got your the best 
quarterback in the history of your program, you're only going to give him 12 passing attempts. Like you, you've got to give him a chance to at least throw himself out of that slump. That's neither here nor there. This, this uh, is a the guy Kentucky that, game. that airballed, airballed our way to the Big Ten championship in 2016. Quite literally. Yeah. Just absolutely airing him out every game, all game, and uh, ultimately brought the Nittany Lions to a Rose Bowl. Let's, let's talk about the Kentucky game last year. Trace got I pulled mean, in that game because he was hurt. At, at, at no point during you, that he was hurt. Game, he was hurt like all year, yeah. though, wasn't he? Yeah, but I'm, it, it like flared up, I think, and it was eminent, or it was uh, very apparent that Trace was hurt in this game. They, they put Tommy in that game for a little while, and you didn't feel any kind of rejuvena- rejuvenation or m- momentum swing. That you didn't feel like there was any spark on the Penn State sideline. You didn't feel that until they took Tommy out and put Trace back in. And wouldn't you know it, he brings them from 27 to 7 to 27 to 24 in, in I, the span of basically just one quarter. So I think uh, it's it's also the fact that we thought we should have been in a New Year's Six and Kentucky on being on the rise that they are, uh, they were – I mean, they didn't know any better. They were just happy to be there, and mm-hmm. we were thinking about we should have been in X Bowl or whatever. I'm not yeah. saying we should have been in the Rose Bowl, but, I mean. Snell, when, yeah. When, when you can go ahead and uh, engrave Snell, yeah, on my tombstone, by the way. You can engrave <laughs> that. It's a tale of Lotus time. Expectations aren't met. Um, a team usually underperforms. When you get a team that's happy to be there, it's not usually there. They're just – they're living in the moment, and they're they're loving it. So, mm-hmm. but that's that's what happened with that game. Yeah, I I know Tommy's been hurt, and he didn't. I did, did he play at all in the blue white game? I don't even know. I don't think he did. Did he? I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he did. To be honest, not professional. I'm not, I'm not, not much of but, a spring um, game connoisseur. Could. I was gonna say I honestly <laughs> forgot. Uh, blue and white was uh, yeah. this weekend. But so. like. <laughs> I, like similar to Tommy, we've only seen Sean Clifford in um, mop up duty. In mop up duty, yeah, pretty much. But even in seeing him in him mop up duty, I think Clifford throws a better ball than Tommy does. Tommy is way more athletic. I got that, and he's a bigger body. I mean, I uh, remember him from that from the Pittsburgh game where the weather was garbage. And yeah, he Clifford comes in and just immediately throws a bomb down the sidelines. Yeah, he was great. I, I yeah, and I said after watching that he actually might be a better quarterback than Tommy Stevens is. But I, I was I would still advocate for Tommy to be the starter just because it's it's his time and Clifford still has a couple more years of eligibility after this. Ty um, goes to the upperclassmen. We all know he, people have been that. talking about Tommy being getting the start for just his senior year, talking about how we have Trace McSorley, Tommy Stevens, we got two great quarterbacks and. Once Trace is gone, it's Tommy's finally got to get his shot. Mm-hmm. And there's tons of people that say that even flat out said he's a better quarterback than Trace McSorley, which um, in most states is a crime. But Also, I, I think people's argument with that is on paper, he looks better. Tommy's bigger. Tommy's taller. Yeah. I'm sure he's I, faster. He can probably throw the powerful, ball farther too. Powerful runner for sure. He's hard to bring down. Yeah, he yep. can he can run with a guy on his back for another ten yards. Yeah, I but I've seen throw both of them throw a deep ball before, and Clifford Clifford's got a tighter pass, so I don't know. No, we're talking Tommy and Trace. Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I, just, I think the bottom the bottom line here is Penn State's quarterback uh, core 
is absolutely loaded everywhere you look. Um, I would put it. I would put it up there, top ten in the country for just as far as core quarterbacks on the roster. If if you get guys like Tommy Stevens wanting to transfer when he's got his senior year to potentially start at Penn State, mm-hmm. uh, you know you got some young guns who are ready to roll. What year is Clifford? Is he a sophomore? I think he redshirted. He's probably a sophomore. Sophomore eligibility. Yeah. So he's a redshirt sophomore. Let me see. Let me see just to make sure. While I'm looking this up, though, um, so Nick Fitzgerald was the longtime quarterback at Mississippi State, mm-hmm. where obviously Joe Moorhead, the former offensive coordinator at Penn State, is. Uh, Fitzgerald's gone. He graduated. So you guys think that's a possible landing spot for him? Because I do. Update on Sean Clifford's sophomore eligibility. Okay. He is All a right. junior, so he did redshirt. I don't think – are you – Tommy's a fifth-year senior, so he'd be a grad transfer, wouldn't he? Yeah. I, he'd be eligible to play right away then, right? I think that's how it works because I think once you graduate – because see, you see everybody. You see it with uh, Golson. The, he was a quarterback at Notre Dame. He transferred to Florida State and played right away, didn't he? That's right, yeah. So I think Tommy would be eligible to play. I don't know if he would go to Moorhead. Because, I mean, Fitzgerald, while Fitzgerald left, uh, you saw Mississippi State's offense. Fitzgerald's running the ball 25 times a game. They don't throw. That's right, but I think Tommy would thrive in that kind of environment. I don't know if his body So I'm saying I think he would rely more on his legs than his arm, but I don't know. If he's looking looking to get to the next level, he goes, everybody everybody knows he can run. They saw him at Penn State. Now they need to know if he can throw. Because Fitzgerald probably not going to be a quarterback at the next level. I don't know his arm talent. I don't know Mississippi State football that well. I don't. I haven't seen the, the the Mississippi State games that I did watch. I did not see Fitzgerald throw the ball all that much. No, if he doesn't. All. So. Uh, we will keep you updated on the Tommy Stevens saga. Again, oh, that so- brings me to the uh, the ranking that I have for you guys. Oh, yes. Please. So if you, if you don't know. Uh, sometimes I come up with these, uh, weird, uh, names for, uh, Ryan and Johnny to rank and they're like completely unrelated. So like, <laughs> so, uh, I'll give you the most recent example. I was watching the, the UCF Duke game. So I said, okay, rank these guys from four to one taco fall from UCF taco Charlton from Mich- Michigan taco from the league and taco the food. And they have to rank the four of them from four to one. And, uh, I can't. Being Penn, both, State fa- being Penn State fans, we both put uh, uh, the guy from Michigan, uh, what, Taco Charlton? Yeah. Yeah, we both put him at the bottom because uh, we're not big Michigan guys on this program. Okay, so from four to one, Sean Clifford, Penn State quarterback. Kyle Clifford, uh, hockey player for the Kings. Michael Clifford. Lead guitarist to Five Seconds of Summer, and Clifford the Red, the Big Red Dog. <laughs> I oh. knew you were gonna put Clifford the Big Red Dog in there. <laughs> oh, I mean, you gotta go with the Kings player at number four. <laughs> I was about to say I, Ryan didn't see that one coming at all from you, did um, I? Who was, who was the non Sean Clifford and non Big Red Dog? Michael Clifford from Five Sauce. Michael Clifford from Five Sauce. Uh, good band. Andrew uh, likes their new album. I, I think they're my favorite band right now. I'm not. I'm not a huge music person, so like there aren't many like artists that I know a lot of their material. 
but five successive summers, uh, they're number one right now. I think Michael Clifford would be at number three. Okay. And uh, the promising but unproven Sean Clifford at number two. And without a doubt, bringing this back to my childhood, absolutely <laughs> loved Clifford the Big Red Dog. Who wouldn't want a red dog the size of your house? I, <laughs> I think he's the size of a five-story building, but all right. It was a big house. Large indeed. Um, Considering I don't know the guitar player, because while Andrew's not much of a music guy, uh, he knows... These two know way more about music than I do. And I think Andrew's selling himself a little short here. That's, uh, yeah. He knows quite a bit about music. I really don't. You know more than me. Both of you know more than me because you, both of you know I'm very set in my ways with what music I listen to. Uh, and introducing me to new music is kind of difficult. So I'm going to go with the, the guitarist at four. It's like teaching an old man how to use technology. It, it is. Just, it just doesn't click. It is with me. That's that's me. That's me with music. Um, so I'm gonna go with the guitarist at four, Kyle Clifford from the Kings at three, Sean Clifford, two, and I'm gonna agree with Ryan's point here. Uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog at one. We're going Big Red Dog one. Just I mean, taking the taking the. I mean, that was a that that show had a solid solid run. That a solid show, cast. That, that show was on PBS. What show it was. On, what show on PBS? As a good as run as Clifford the Big Red Dog. <laughs> can't, you can't you can't name them, people. You can't. You can't I could I couldn't even if I tried. I don't know if I could name another show on PBS. Exactly. Exactly. You're just proving our point here. Um Moving on from that, we we talked about the Masters and gentlemen, Tiger has won his fifteenth major. And I will say it, I'm a Tiger guy, always been. Um, not saying I teared up when he won, but seeing, I didn't, I didn't. But I felt it moved, it moved me when he hugged his son, uh, when he finally won. Because of all that he's been through in the last uh, decade plus. Ryan, I know you're not a Tiger guy. Tell me your thoughts. Um, I was never the biggest Tiger guy growing up, uh, because I basically didn't like the guy that everyone loves to talk about. Basically, any anytime someone talks about golf, they're just jerking off the Tiger. People who don't watch golf love to say, oh, I don't like golf, but I'll watch Tiger. And, uh, I'm not too crazy about that as a avid golf fan. To be fair, he... The la I mean, when he was in his run in the late '90s, early 2000s, he was not very nice to his fans. He really, he wasn't. Yeah. So, I will, I will agree. Um, I'm coming around to Tiger a little bit now. He seems to be having fun. Uh, He's humbled himself. The match with Phil, they were just having a good time laughing. Um, it was refreshing to watch after all those years of Tiger. I mean slamming his driver after a poor drive like just whining and complaining as if just because he's there he should be beating all these phenomenal golfers that are also competing in the field mm -hmm. uh, i think he just had a sense of entitlement about him for years and that just didn't sit well with me but now he's having fun he seems to be enjoying the other golfers 
uh, there was a clip of him imitating Kevin Na, who reaches down to his putt as it's rolling in the hole, and Tiger does it, and it was just a, a good moment for a fan of the game of golf. The game that, that needs to, that does really well when when there's some lightheartedness and fun involved with it. Would you agree that the game of golf is better with Tiger competing in the tournament? It's good with a Tiger that is playing good golf. Yes. When he's playing, let's say, let's say Tiger missed the cut for the Masters. I think viewership would have dropped off over the weekend. Simply because he wasn't in it. Now, it obviously, would, but I'm also selfish in the fact that if I think you're just watching for Tiger, uh, you shouldn't be watching the Masters in the first place. I mean, personally, I watch, as I said last week, I watch all the majors through. So if Tiger wasn't in it, yes, I would be upset. But I also have... My I also have other golfers that I do follow, so it's not like it's not like I wouldn't have been interested. But it, Tiger being in contention pretty much throughout the entire tournament made it made it better. I'm just mad my prediction of Webb Simpson didn't win. Yeah, he kind of fell off. <laughs> speaking of speaking of falling off, uh, Francisco Merloni is that the guy right? Did I get his name right? Molinari. Uh, you Italian, Johnny? I clearly not. Um, boy fell off a cliff, and I'll be honest. When they when they zoom when they showed him like hitting the shot and they like showed his face, boy had fear in his eyes, and it looked like he was like, "What the fuck am I even doing out here? I got Tiger breathing down my neck, and I know he's coming." And there was nothing he could do. There was nothing he could do. Kept kept screwing up. I'll be honest. Um, on that par three, I can't remember the hole, when he hit it into the water, I audibly cheered. And it wasn't, I'm rooting against this guy not to win and probably change his life forever if he does win. It's just, I'm rooting for Tiger so badly. That was what it was. It wasn't rooting against him. It was rooting for Tiger. I don't, I don't know how you guys are going to take that, but that's how I felt. I mean, I was rooting for Tiger to win. I thought it would be cool to see him win again. That doesn't change the fact that um, there's an incredible amount of annoyance involved in him winning <laughs> and people talking about him. Yes. Um, I didn't want Brooks Kepka to win. That's uh, so. DJ made a late run there. But it's it also wasn't the dominant Tiger performance that you would see it was the first time he'd ever come from behind to win a major. It's, man has man won fourteen majors and never had to come from behind. It's not it's not the old school tiger of he's just gonna absolutely obliterate the course for four straight days. And he's and, not gonna win by five strokes. Yeah. What's the definition of coming from behind in golf? Like you're like not in the lead after day you're two? You're not leading going into the weekend or not leading going into Sunday. Okay. But, I, I mean, I saw on Twitter, I mean, every, everybody was talking about it. Everybody had a comment. Everybody had something. Um, so, I mean, I, I thought it was great. I, and the people, I mean, I don't know if he's going to catch Jack, but I'd like to see him try. <laughs> so, 
Next topic of discussion. The Stanley Cup playoffs, gentlemen, and the Lightning and Penguins are both dead. Uh, and and not and I mean the Islanders and the Blue Jackets not only murdered them, I mean they murdered them basically just very quickly. I mean they neither of them even won a game. And I'll be honest, the Lightning series was it even a, was it even a contest after the Blue Jackets came back in Game One? I don't think yeah. it was. All right, I, I got I got some words for this. Uh, if you know me, I'm very big on the bracket and getting picks right. So I like a lot of people had the Lightning winning the whole thing, and it it felt like we were all being shafted by their performance. At, like pretty much. After you said after game one, it, it they looked like they didn't even like care for a while. Um, they got out to that quick two nothing lead in the first period of game one, and we're thinking, oh, okay, you know, here we go. This is like right on par with what we think is going to happen. And I, I, I've I've can't remember the last time I've seen something like this. Like I've seen Presidents Trophy winners lose early in the playoffs, but they don't. We saw get with the swept. Capitals for a decade. Yes. <laughs> But they, they didn't get swept. We're, we're, we're talking about a Lightning team. I, I'm looking at their game log right here. They, at no point in the season, had a losing streak longer than two. They so, the, I don't know they how that... The, they had the best regular season in NHL history, like that, as, that, far, that, as, far as, as far as points go. It blows my mind forever. that they, they can somehow manage to not have a three-game losing streak in the regular season and then somehow lose four in a row in the playoffs. It'll still forever be one of the, arguably one of the best regular season teams in NHL history. That, gets, that, that gets swept by the Blue Jackets in round one. And I'm, like, I, I'm watching this game last night, and Braden Point scores late in the second period to, to bring them even. And, and the Lightning bench is just on fire. That, uh, and I'm thinking, okay, finally, we have the, the first time in forever that this team has had any kind of life because they've just been zombies this whole series. And some guy I've never even heard of takes a penalty, like, right after it. They, they don't even get – the Blue Jackets don't even get a power play. They don't even need it. On, on, they score on the delayed penalty less than a minute later um, from the, the Lightning tying the game, and it was just over after that. So uh, the Blue Jackets win game four. They win the series, and it, here's the thing that I was telling you guys yesterday: if they're if they're gonna ruin my bracket and then lose in the next round, I'm that's grounds for a lifetime ban for me. Uh, I'll never root for the Blue Jackets again if they do that kind of shit to me. They need they need to at least make the conference final now. So, if, they're, if they're gonna put put up such an outstanding performance against the 120 something point Lightning and then right. lose to the Bruins or Maple Leafs, then th there's just no excuse for that. Um. So just to be clear. Uh, can you let our listeners know how much you have riding on this Stanley Cup bracket? I don't. I have pride. You, so, oh, you, so you didn't put a ridiculous amount of money on on a bet on your bracket. I didn't know. That's how I told you. That's how much I love the bracket and how much I love those predictions. So you're this offended and you feel personally attacked. Yes. By a team of professionals losing, as if yep. as if they wanted to spite you. Well, I'm not saying they did it on purpose, but that's what it felt like. They, I'm sure they didn't. Uh, the but people like that I, get I, played to play the game and want, wanted to win a Stanley Cup their entire lives. Yeah, and well, you're trying to make it about your bracket. That means nothing. 
I am trying to make it. Yeah, I'm not getting paid to play hockey. Hey, we got an intention seeker over here in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Wait, it's our podcast. Oh God. I'm. Sub- I thought I was supposed to give my opinion. And I'm what? rebuttaling with mine. So what? I'm just supposed to not be. I'm. Oh, it's okay. It's only a brat. No, that's just not me. That's plain, plain and simple. It's not me. I'm just trying to they, give the listeners. They went the entire uh, month of December without losing a regulation game. That was what four months ago. I'm just Maybe. saying, something something happened in that locker room. Something happened in that room. Something happened like. Well, it didn't first. help. They didn't have Kucherov or Hedman in Game Three. I mean, well, Kucherov uh, had his own fucking problems. Yeah, shouldn't have gone after that guy. Did I, you know I, that they had uh, entering last night? Braden Point, Nikita Kudrov, and Steven Stamkos had a combined zero points since Game 5 of the Cap Series last year. And, and they, uh, Kudrov assisted Stamkos on the, on the one goal at the beginning, and I think that's it for them. I, I don't, I'm not sure Braden Point had a point in the entire series. Uh, I, just, I, I, don't, I don't know. It, it, really, it doesn't make any sense that, they, that, was, that had to be the lowest of the low for them for the season, and they saved it. For the playoffs, for the for the first round, they, I mean, it wasn't even like the 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 conference final. They were like, also in, weren't they in pretty much coast mode from like I don't know the beginning of March? Yeah, pretty much. You're on coast mode for a month and a half, and I mean that'll do something to you. It's not a switch you can turn on. It really isn't. And the Blue Jackets pretty much have been playing playoff games since, like, the last week and a half, two weeks of the season, just trying to get in the playoffs. Yep. And they weren't on coast. They were going, they were full throttle. They've been full throttle for, like, three weeks. I just have now, a hard obviously time. obviously that might. Go ahead. ahead what did you say? I have a hard time understanding why people thought uh, the National Hockey League is the NBA. Yeah, that annoyed me. Um, it's just like, all, it, it all the like Lightning... The Lightning had... Uh, some, some of the odds had them at 80% chance to win the Stanley Cup. 80? This is Lord Stanley's Cup. This is not the NBA, people. The, the Lightning are not the Warriors, where it's just like... they can. The Warriors can literally coast to the finals. And I brought up... Like, the, they, lost, they lost the other day, though. Yeah. I brought up the 2010 Capitals who lost to the Canadians... That was yep. when they blew a three one. In the one, first right? round, I I brought that up before That's the playoffs started. That's what I say. At, le- at least that one went seven. Well, the Capitals blew a three one lead. People forget that. They what were did. you saying, Ryan? I, I just not that I got the prediction right or anything. I, I had the Lightning sweeping, but I had them losing in the second round. I, I just really didn't see a team that was going to win the Stanley Cup. Regular season hockey and postseason hockey are two totally different things. You haven't seen a team that's been this good lose to a team that had to fight. I remember I remember looking up something. It was the Red Wings in the mid nineties. I think it it was the it was the first time the Sharks got the playoffs and the Sharks beat them in I think six or seven and everybody was stunned. Just stunned that the Red Wings who had I think a hundred and eighteen points that year lost in the first round. But but the thing is that I mean that series went six or seven I think I could be wrong, correct me if I am, but I know they lost. But to lose four in a row as the top seed with 128 points that I mean that is, that's shocking. 
How many? And teams? it was with Vasilevsky playing great last night. Vasilevsky was the only reason that this game wasn't a total blowout. I, I like the, the second period w- was so atrocious that it was like every other shift the Blue Jackets were getting like two on one opportunities or uh, breakaway opportunities, and Vasilevsky is just moving side to side and keeping all these pucks out somehow. And I, it was like every shift. The, the Lightning just looked at one point disinterested in the game. Well, at some point, as a player, you, you know when it's just you can't do anything and you just gotta you got to see things through and this is, this is how it's going to be. There, there comes a point in time when you're sitting on that bench where – it's just you know you obviously don't want to stop competing, but it's like you know we have nothing. We've got nothing for them. So, what did the Tampa Bay Lightning win this year? President's Trophy. Do you know how many of those teams have went went on to win the Stanley Cup in the history of the league? How many? Hang on, I wanna. Or uh, probably the history of the trophy. I'm sure it wasn't around at the early. Early nineteen hundreds, early days of the NHL. I'm gonna go with nineteen. Nineteen. Uh, it is eight. 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 And that's why the Stanley Cup playoffs are the best playoffs. That just illustrates of the Big Four how different it is. That's it, why it's the best because you can make a you could every team in the Stanley Cup playoffs you can make a case for getting to and winning the Stanley Cup. All 16 of them. You can make a case. And you can even make a case for any team that has a goaltender. They get hot. That's the kind of thing you can ride to a Stanley Cup final. All about that hot goalie. Right. And we said we said we weren't going to bring up the Ducks in this episode, but you, uh you just John S- Sebastian Jiggy as he's known, John Sebastian Jaguar in 2003 carried carried the former formerly Anaheim Mighty Ducks to the Stanley Cup final against New Jersey. And carried just uh, just as representation of that, he was given the Conn Smythe Trophy trophy even as the losing goaltender of the series because he was just dominant. Now he's said he would trade it in in a heartbeat for. The Stanley Cup, as any hockey player would. But uh, that's uh, Yaroslav Halak in 2010 as well. I mean, that's Ron Hextall in '87. And Sergei Bobrovsky was nothing short of sensational in the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people forget. Oh yeah, he the guy's got two Vesnas. Yeah, he's pretty good too. Maybe it's easy to forget when uh, the Jackets are just scoring everywhere and cannons are blasting nonstop, but. Penguins Islanders Islander fans yes you swept the Penguins but these were not uh, the mighty Penguins of the last three years yes that's that's what Johnny and I were discussing Uh, he was the first one to say that these aren't the mighty Penguins of old well yes I do love to see the Penguins get swept and yes it is very sweet for me to see that I would have had they had this happened Two years ago, when they were going on their uh, second second time on their back to back, had they lost in those playoffs, I would have been, I would have been more shocked than I am now. 
because the Penguins, just like the Jackets, they had to fight to get in the playoffs. They had a probably, I think it was like a month and a half where they were kind of in limbo. They didn't know if yeah, they were going to make I don't it. Think they, I don't think they clinched until like their 81st game. Game 81, they clinched a playoff spot. Yeah. So they're in the same mindset as the Blue Jackets. And two totally Gosh. different outcomes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Islander fans, Islander fans haven't had anything to cheer about for a long time. Those those four straight cups in the eighties were a long time ago, so they were just looking for something to grab onto. It's like their second playoff series win in like twenty something, yeah. well, close to thirty years. I mean, yeah, and Islander fans. They are what they are. They're gonna be. They're gonna be cocky. Oh, we won four straight cups. Uh, okay, that's great, and we uh, we commend you for that. We do. That was that was also the early early eighties, and that was what uh, almost forty years ago. How many of those uh, we're fans? There, yeah. How many of those fans can still go to games? Don't know. Without using a walker or wheelchair. <laughs> well, Ryan, well, Ryan, they're not that old. It's only 39 years. Yeah. Uh, kids in the stands, but, you know, imagine people like us at that age. Well, 20, yeah. 23, 24, 25-year-old getting getting drunk in the stands, just having fun watching the Islanders win cup to left put, and right. To put this in perspective, my father graduated college in 81, and he was 21. And that was right in the middle of that Islander run. So, uh, my dad's certainly not using a walker. Not yet. Uh, so. <laughs> He's getting there, though. To put it to put it that way, I'm going to get roasted by my father after he hears this. All right. Um, I got nothing to say to you, Jimmy. You're a good guy. <laughs> it's all John's fault. Uh, as it usually is. Um... The Flyers hired a new coach, Elaine Vigneault. Yes, indeed. How do you spell that one, Flyers fans? Oh, I actually had to look that up when I put it in the rundown, boys. Um, I think this is good. Obviously, Flyer fans wanted Joe Quenville to come in and coach the squad. Seemingly, we wanted him to do the same thing he did in Chicago. Taking that young Chicago team to, what was it, three cups in six years? Just about, yeah. 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 But Aline Vigneault, uh, good coach, consistent coach. I'll give him that with his time with uh, Vancouver and the Rangers. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the hire. I, I, can't, I see nothing wrong with it. Um, Andrew, you got anything to add? Okay, so... It, uh, yeah, I'm definitely a fan of it because it's a, a guy that at least has a proven track record under his belt, and it's not a guy that they're just pulling from the University of North Dakota. So um, I like it. Um, they're not. They're not reaching. Right. No, it's a guy that has proven to be able to win. Uh, I just uh, added up his numbers just since uh, being the coach of the Rangers. That's not even including his time in Montreal or Vancouver. He's uh, 226 and 147. Uh, he's got an Eastern Conference championship with the. Uh, it was his first year with the Rangers, actually. That he uh, made it to the, made it to the finals. Uh, they actually, ironically, beat the Flyers in the first round that year. So, um, let's see five. So he's got seven playoff series wins. 
um, with the, uh, just with the Rangers. Uh, also lost in the Stanley Cup final when he was with the. Oh, he, I didn't know he was the Canucks coach then. Okay, he was. So because yeah, remember, because remember, the, uh, the Canucks, the Canucks traded uh, Tortorella, or the Canucks traded Vino for Tortorella. They basically did a coach swap. Oh, right, 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 right. So, yeah, so. Torts, uh, coincidentally, got fired, I think it was that year. Like, the middle of the year. He's not really a, a uh, animated guy, though, is he, Vigno? V- Vigno, no. He's, yeah, no. he's not. He's pretty not, stoic. I haven't seen him get really upset on behind the bench before. I don't know if that's necessarily a good or a bad thing. Ha- I mean, Haxtell, he was a statue. Between... The difference, well, yeah. The difference between Vino and Haxtell, Vino's been in this league for God knows how many years, and Haxtell, he come from the college game. It's different. It always is. Yeah, that's I, I, I. That's what I'm saying. I, I like the experience that he has. I don't know if Haxtell can't coach in this league. I don't know if that's the case because he made the playoffs two out of his first three years with the Flyers. I think maybe he would just like need time. To, to kind of take it all in, um, but like we're saying, uh, he's been Fino's been coaching since 1997, so uh, I feel good about that. Uh, and you know, we'll just we'll see how it goes. I don't know what else to, I don't know what else you can really say about a coach besides like his his previous uh, successes and you know what's going to happen. Uh, I'm trying to think. Would there be anybody on the Flyers roster that he's coached before? I'm not. Do we have any former Rangers or Canucks here? Don't I don't believe so. If we do, they're not uh, big name guys. Yeah. Um. That yeah. and the Flyers and Rangers being rivals, we don't really trade with each other very that's often. What, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The only former Ranger I can think of is Delzato. Yeah, he, like he's he not here one. anymore. He coached yeah. Delzato. Um. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, so it'll it'll be uh it'll be unfamiliar territory. But we'll see. Uh, but look, yeah, like I, that would have been great if we got Quenville. But I'm glad we at least have an established coach that ha- has proven that he could have success. And you know what? He's hungry because he hasn't won a Stanley Cup yet. Mm-hmm. So he, he's got two. He's got two losses in the finals. So and the Flyers haven't won a cup since '75. So and, right. I mean, the Flyers fans are dying for a championship. Can we look? Can, can we just make it to the second round? Yeah, that would be nice. Like I would like, I'd like to be in the playoffs for more than like ten seconds. Like, I, like they, I blink and then they're out. I mean, I'm not setting my expectations for the second round. I obviously want that cup, but give me, give me, give me a deep run in these first couple of years. Yeah, I, I can see promise, and I see promise. That's what it is. You bring in Hackstall. Uh, nobody really, nobody really knew his name. Nobody knew how to pronounce his name when he first came in the league. It's like, okay, they kept thinking are, he was Hextall. What are we? Yeah, right. And the Hextall, Hextall, uh, being coach and GM. Yeah, that was very confusing. It seems del- it seemed deliberately confusing. Yeah, like they did it on purpose. Right. <laughs> right. And, I, I mean, I like. There's promise with this squad. It's a young, young team. It really is. It is really young. I mean, I think, I think it's gotten to a point where like they're just kind of tired of, um, they're kind of waiting pretty much, and they're saying, "All right, all the young guns are coming up, and we're just gonna roll with this and see what happens." That was like a big criticism of Haxtell, is that he just refused be- to play the young people, like Dale, like the fact that Dale Weiss 
like the fact got as that Dale much ice was he getting did. good minutes. He played like the entire playoffs, and like Philpola was playing, and I, like Jordan Wheel wasn't in in the playoffs, and I know Wheel's not even on the team anymore, but. It was it was like it was like you're a college coach. You can relate to these younger guys that are twenty two, twenty three. It's like you you know how to get the best out of them. There was a reason you were brought here, yeah, you would think. and the reason was to get our young roster to play. But sometimes sometimes the message that a coach is trying to send or preach it it gets lost or it gets stale after a while, and that's what that's what Hacksaw's message did. And I mean. We as Flyers fans were calling for. I was calling for his head before this season even started, mm-hmm. and it was just. It was just like where we were in limbo for like what that week, two weeks, where it was like seriously, you guys aren't. You guys are gonna fire Ron Hextall, which I was also. It was kind of. It was kind of time. I'm not saying I was calling for his head. It was kind of time, but it's just like okay, you're gonna fire the GM. And normally the coach goes right after that. And they kept him around, and we kept losing and playing like shit. It's like what? It's like what are you trying? What are you trying? Are you trying to tell us you're trying to tank? Because if we're gonna tank, go full tank. If that if that's what you're gonna do, don't don't cock tease me with this shit. Yeah, for a while, I think they were like within six points of last place in the league. Right, and like they were point, flirting with it, and then they all of a sudden caught fire. Yeah, at that point, I was like, all right, we're near the bottom. Let's let let's do it. Let's. Who are the top prospects coming out of this year's draft? They were like right in. They were like right in the the sweet spot. And when I say the sweet spot, I say that ironically because they like didn't get a top pick, but like also missed the playoffs. Yeah, so, we're like that, we're in that we're in that mode. Welcome to the state of mediocrity. Yeah. What are we? They were picking eleventh now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't so, sometimes you can find guys like I think um, like Dylan Larkin was a late first round pick. I know that he was. Uh, funny, funny story about Dylan Larkin. Uh, when me and my dad were in Nashville for the All Star Game, what was this? Two, three years ago. Twenty sixteen. Twenty, right? Yeah. Dylan Larkin was only twenty at the time, and I we heard a rumor going around town that uh, the bar we were at, uh, Dylan Larkin had to be carried by, ironically, Claude Giroux, <laughs> back back to his hotel room because he was so drunk. How and did then, he get in? Because he's in the NHL. Does that happen? Yes. Yeah, Andrew, huh. are are you that naive? Come on. I I just thought rules were rules. Uh, you're a professional athlete making millions of dollars, and they want people to come into the bar. Yes, they're gonna let. Well, yeah. Know. What if the bouncer doesn't know who he is, though? Uh, it's a the, it's gonna be a private event, so there's not they're not even gonna be checking IDs. Uh, right. I'm not saying he was at like a public. I'm not saying it was like he that they just went out onto town. I'm sure they did. But okay. it was it was probably like a sanctioned NHL event, so to speak. Well, Giroux should have left him there, because the the, the uh, Atlantic ended up beating Metropolitan in the uh, in the uh, the three on three tournament. I just found that funny, and I think that was I think that was the night before uh, the skills competition. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I thought it was the night before the actual All Star game. Where no, I think it was it was a night or two nights before. I don't know. It was also a rumor, so I can't confirm that it's true. I can't. However, we heard that I heard it from multiple people that said <laughs> a certain a certain young player 
that was in the fastest skater competition. <laughs> so obvious. That was that was. And this was pre-McDavid. Right. That was in here. Was very drunk and had to be carried out of the bar. <laughs> A certain player, and his name rhymes with Phil and Parkin. Right. <laughs> I don't think they made it that obvious, but they were like, "Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He, he had a little. He had a little too much to drink." Oh man, that's funny. How much time do you have, Johnny? Uh probably should wrap it up. That being said, as we wrap this up, the the NFL draft is next week. Uh, the Red Sox are playing the Yankees right now. For those of you expecting me to rant, those of you who know me. Expecting me to rant about the Red Sox. That is coming. Um, believe me, it's coming. Uh, Andrew and I will preview the NFL draft. Ryan, uh, what what were your thoughts on the on the NFL draft? Well, uh, I'm going to be in Nashville while picks are going on, and I just yes. like our loyal listeners to know that I will be absolutely obliterated on the streets of Broadway. And uh, I may or may not know who's picked, but uh, I'll be in the same city as the NFL's next star. So that'd be dope, actually, if you just run into Kyler Murray. You guys can have uh, just be happy in the fact that one of the hosts of the show is going to be on site and not reporting on football whatsoever, but shoving beers down his throat. Oh no, no, there will be no, there will be no uh, inside scoops, so to speak. No big J journalism. Well, maybe he'll see. Uh, maybe he'll see one of the players getting carried out of the bar. I, that is very possible. However, why, why don't we put up the, a poll? Should I do a stand-up in front of Bridgestone about the NFL draft? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, that being said, I don't think you'll see a player getting carried out of a bar because while uh, the NHL is very popular, it comes nowhere near comparison popularity to the NFL. And the NFL draft specifically. Well, those guys better enjoy it before they're uh, puking at mini camp and training camp and uh, yeah, all that stuff. It's rough. I'm sure they. I'm sure they. I'm sure they've enjoyed themselves in college. Have they said where Hard Knocks is going to be yet? Probably not, right? They have. I don't think they announced it till after the draft. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Because you, you got to see. Right. You got to see where Kyler Murray goes. That's going to be like a big. I was uh, going to say. I'm sure if big he big bullet point. Little teaser. I'm sure if he goes to Arizona, uh, the Cardinals will have Hard Knocks here. So, anyway, that will wrap up this episode. Uh, We will see you guys later this week. Have a good one.